This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Are you a big man? Huh? I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. Look, I'm wearing a belt. I got big boy pants on. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Put on those big boy pants. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 84 of the Moranalytics podcast. Today is Friday, January 11th, 2019. I am Patrick Moran. Coming up on the show today, I'll be joined by Joe Yurden of The Athletic. I had Joe back on the show back in like around mid-September before the Buffalo Sabres season had started. At the time, he also was literally just beginning his journey with The Athletic. A lot has changed in those handful of months since. We're roughly about halfway through the Buffalo Sabres season, and I'll tell you what, they have far and away exceeded any realistic expectation for where they would be right now. They literally spent time at the top of the NHL standings at one point. They've fallen down some since, struggled a little bit, but they're still very, very much in the playoff hunt in the second half of the season. It's going to make for a very exciting finish. At least we all hope so. I talk to Joe. I get his take on the team right now. Several of the players, um, what to expect over the next few months. I also talk to him about how he's doing at The Athletic, how that's been. I'll tell you what, I really like The Athletic Buffalo. I think it's been a very important part of the Buffalo sports media. I feel like it's made everyone better and all the fans have won because there's just a lot more quality content to choose from. So I talked to Joe about a lot of things. It's a fun interview. Right after that, I got my guy Tone Pucks on doing another Pat with Pucks. Earlier this week, the Buffalo Bills sent out an email to season ticket holders asking them kind of a survey type of format, how they would feel about a potential new stadium being built or how they would feel about having the current stadium renovated. I get Pucks' take on what he would do, what he thinks the team would do, how he feels about a new stadium downtown. We also talk about the team itself. Last time I got together with Pucks for a Pat with Pucks, it was just hours after the season finale. He's had a little bit of time to digest things. He gives his take on how he feels the Buffalo Bills are looking right now, what they're going to be looking to do during the offseason, what those expectations for the offseason going into 2019 should be, a couple of positions that we definitely expect to get addressed. That, plenty more. 
Got a lot going on today. Two interviews, in fact. So I'm not going to waste any of your time bullshitting here at the top. Let's just get right down to business. Here's my interview with Joe Yurden from The Athletic. I do need to warn you that the audio quality is not very good. We had some major connectivity issues, so audio quality poor, but interview itself really good. Joe's very, very informative. You'll get a lot out of it, so there's that, followed immediately by Pat Whiphux. Well, so far, I think it is killing. I thought it would either be an A or an A+, but I completely forgot that there is an A+++. Okay, my guest today, now I can call him a recurring guest, is a Buffalo Sabres beat writer for The Athletic, Joe Yurden. What's going on, Joe? Thanks for joining the podcast for a second time now. Patrick, it's my pleasure. It's always fun. It's always fun to be on here, even even if we don't talk about chicken wings. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I first had you back in mid-September, you were on the show. A lot's changed since then. The Athletic Buffalo was brand new, and you were just getting started with them. We'll talk Sabres in a few, but let me ask you first, how's it been, your experience so far at The Athletic? Well, it's first off, it's been incredible. I mean, it's it's been it's been something else to be able to, to be able to do this. And I know, I know that I was, I was still very much starstruck about, you know, being, you know, get, you know, getting the gig and, and getting into it and, and being part of being part of a team with guys like Chris Baker and, and John Vogel and, and with Ryan Stimson and everybody, everybody we got going on there. But, you know, once, once you settle into it, once you start getting into the job and you, you start doing, doing what you were brought in to do, it's, uh, it, 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 it changes it changes the view because now it's like okay now this is a job now we're now we're doing it right. and it's uh it, it's it presents a different kind of challenge where you're always kind of looking at things in a different light and and looking to tell some different stories and looking to tell things that aren't you know just the, the regular nuts and bolts of of the everyday grind of, of covering a team so it's it's a little bit different in that respect and that's that's been a little bit of a challenge for me personally just because never really looked at things through that through that lens before and um but hopefully hopefully people are enjoying what i'm what i'm doing and, and people are enjoying what we're all doing at the athletic i think it i think we're doing i yeah, i'm very biased but i think we're all doing a really good job with it well i'll tell you what i mean you and john have formed a really good one-two punch and i'm talking about covering the beat you know ryan and chris have done a great job with what they do i said this in september and i'll say it again i think the competition with the athletic and the Buffalo News and some of these other media outlets has really brought out the best work from the media. And I think the real winner in all this has been the fans because now more than ever, there's more content out there, quality content for people to consume. And again, you guys are pushing, you know, the envelope and it's making the Buffalo News work harder and vice versa. You know what I mean? No one can take it easy because there's always other outlets out there. So I, I continue to think that the real winner in this is definitely the fans. Oh yeah, I, I I think everybody I think everybody's really best suited by getting you know if if they've got subscriptions to everything, they that that everybody's going to be more informed. They're going to be more entertained. They're going to have uh, as much information as they could possibly want when it comes to to dealing with everything. It's, you know, and I mean, yeah, we are. It, it is a competition of sorts, but I mean, we're all you know, and I don't you know I I don't think I'm 
speaking out of terms here to speak for everybody on this, but I, I think we're all better off when we're all pushing each other to, to, to produce better things and, sure. and to, to look at things in a different light and, and maybe try to do some other, some other ways to, to cover a team because, you know, we all have our own different, not necessarily restrictions, but we've, you know, we've all got our own time constraints and, and things that we want to do, but, um, but it certainly seems to, you know, right now, at least on the outside, it seems that, you know, if you're, if you're a fan of the bills or if you're a fan of the Sabres or, you know, or any of the other cities where the athletics at, you're better, you're best suited by, by just getting a piece of everything and just consuming, consuming as much as possible. Yeah, I definitely agree. We're going to get into the Sabres in a second. Before that, I do got one more question for you. It's not really a hockey question, but you know what? You're not just a hockey guy. You're a Buffalo guy. Now a very hot topic situation is developing with the Buffalo Bills and it's probably going to last weeks, months, maybe even years. And that's regarding the stadium. As you know, earlier this week, an email went out to, I believe, season ticket holders asking fans what they would be more likely to strongly support a renovation of the current stadium in Orchard Park or the building of a new stadium, which everyone would assume is downtown. What's your thought on that? What would you prefer right now if it were up to you? If it's if it's me making the call, uh, and how much money am I putting into it? I guess is is, is the big question. A lot. I, mean, I know that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I know that, that that's. But I think that's. I think that's a big part of, of where it all comes down is is you know how much you know how much public money is going to get involved because I think that's I think that's where a lot of things are going to devolve when it comes to the discussion because if it's if it's a big chunk of money then I think a lot of people are going to lose interest and say listen just. Just fix up the fix up the old place and, and and make it better. But to me, I don't know it, it, if you can have everything in, in a in a downtown location. Uh, I think that's that's something that really works out best for the city. You know, I, I think of other places where this has happened. You know, I think of a place like Philadelphia where everything is located right in the same area. You know, you have you know baseball, football, and and the arena are all right right by each other, and it's you know it's kind of away from downtown, and that's that, that's got its own thing, but I, I think if you're able to find carve out a place to put a stadium somewhere closer to downtown and and really turn downtown into a thriving area, I think that's that's a, a brilliant move. But um, but as far as where it comes in with you know with dedicating any sort of public money to it, I I can't I can't really abide that. I don't like when that kind of stuff happens, and you know we've seen it happen. Another, I mean at least. Hockey-wise, we've seen it happen where, you know, public money gets involved and, and things just get get really sideways. And I think in this case, if you're going to do a, a vast renovation of of New Era Field, you know, I think I can't help but think of like Soldier Field where they basically tore it down to the base and then rebuilt it up. Uh, if you're going to do something like that, I mean, if the cost difference is is you know negligible when you're throwing around hundreds of millions of dollars between that. Building a new stadium, you can build a new stadium and and do that. You might as well because if you're just going to turn you know, a new era into a giant sprawling palace, then you know if it's going to cost you the same as building something new, I guess new and shiny is always the best. Especially if you're getting used to attract even even bigger events or even set your sights on bringing the Super Bowl to Buffalo. Sure, I completely agree. And later on in this podcast, I got my buddy Tone Pucks for our Pat with Pucks segment. I'm going to ask him the same question. I know he's a stadium downtown type of guy. There's something in Buffalo that isn't the same with other cities that I think is a major factor, and that's tailgating, dude. Whether it's a new stadium or renovating the old stadium, 
my take is I kind of feel like it should stay where it is in Orchard Park. That is a great place to be able to tailgate. And again, some other cities, like I live near the Tampa area. I've been to a couple Bucks games. That's not even a thing. You know what I mean? You, you get mm-hmm. out of your car, you maybe have a beer near your car and you go into the game. You know, it ain't like that in Buffalo or, or I should say in Orchard no. Park. Completely different ball game. I mean, there's probably, and I'm not trying to be condescending towards Bills fans whatsoever, but there's probably a decent portion of fans who probably couldn't name a third of the Bills starters. But I'll bet you their asses are out there in the in the parking lots eight times a year partying it up because that's what Buffalo's known for. The tailgates, to some extent, they care about the tailgates as much as football. I don't know if that would work downtown. So that leads me to think that maybe, and I'm not saying the Bagulas are going to make their decision based on tailgating fans, but it just feels like Orchard Park for me is the right place to have the stadium. That's my take on it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the party aspect of it, I mean, it's, it's gotten such, it's gotten so out of hand. I mean, and I don't mean just with like the antics and nonsense, but I mean, it's just gotten such recognition and it's, it is such a big deal. And you, I mean, it's the kind of thing where, you know, part of the story is that if it's a big enough game, you know, the, you know, the lead up to the game that Sunday is, is, well, you know, the, the RV lots sold out, the tailgate lots are sold out. Yeah. And, you know, they're, 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 they're days in advance of a game and, and everybody's going wild. And it's, you know, it, you have your lots where it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of Thunderdome out there, but, um, but for the most part, everybody's there genuinely having a good time. I mean, yeah, yeah, you got your crazy stuff and we see it on Deadspin every, every Sunday and Monday when it happens. But, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of people that believe that the Pagoulas would like to, to kind of call back that sort of insane mm-hmm. part of the fa- like the, the fandom side of things and they, they don't want to have that you know whether you see it as embarrassing or what have you but um but yeah i mean obviously that'll be that'll be a big issue if you build a new place because the lots are probably going to be all run by the uh by the team and you know that that kind of stuff is just not going to fly but um but some of it I and mean, i don't know it's hard it, you don't want to do anything to, to bite the hand that feeds. And I think if you do anything that, that really cuts back on people having a good time and that's, that's just, that's not going to fly. But I think the other view of it is that the, the ownership will look at it and say, well, whatever, everybody will learn to adapt and, and th- this will go a little easier. Right. I'm here with Joe Yurden from the athletic. Let's get in your lane now. Okay. We're taping this later on a Thursday. Jack Eichel was on the ice at practice What's the latest on him and his status for the game Friday night in Carolina? People will be listening to this on Friday morning. As of right now, what do you think? Is he going to be playing? I, I've heard that he thinks he's going to play, but Phil Housley hasn't confirmed that. What's the latest? Yeah, yeah. Phil said Phil said on Thursday that he, he won't he won't confirm that he's in, but it sure looks like he's in. Um, you know, he skated on a line. He was on the first power play unit. Everything was everything was back to normal once again. So I I've if he doesn't play, I would say it would be a, a pretty big staggering surprise uh, if he's not back in. But it it's it, it seems clear to me that he's going to be back in. So that that's that's a good thing because the next five games before they before they take basically two weeks off, they're going to need him. They're going to need him pretty bad. And uh, you, losing a guy like that for three games was was enough of a test for these guys to show what they can do. And I, I don't know if if there's one guy that that seemed to stick out pretty well in those three games, it was Jeff Skinner, which I mean, Hey, it's going to help out his little bottom line too. Oh, sure. I noticed that Tate Thompson was on a line of practice with Eichel and Skinner. What's your thoughts on that? That dude was a whooping boy on Twitter earlier this season, for sure. You know, I, I feel good for Tate because 
it's been a real strong learning process for him throughout this. You know, John wrote, John wrote a piece, he says about a month ago, maybe about, you know, about the, about what it's taking for him to, to kind of cross through this and, and learn on the fly and, and, and to be an NHL or to, to learn the system and to learn to be, you know, to be a guy, even though he played 40, 40 some games last year in St. Louis, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation where he's, you know, he's kind of growing up, you know, and learning different roles as he goes here. But I mean, his confidence levels is about as high as I've ever seen. And, you know, it, the, the goals haven't come yet. And I know that's another statement that's come for a lot of guys, but you know, the goals haven't come in regularity, but when he's hitting them, Oh man, it's something to watch. I mean, he's, he can pick corners, he can snipe it. It gets on him fast. And if, you know, if you bring that slap shot, man, he's, he's got a heavy shot. And, you know, I guess that, you know, it comes part of being six foot six, but, um, but with a kid like that, who's just, you know, he's so wiry and he's got such reach and, you know, with that kind of, with that kind of length on his arms and, and the, what he can do to torque the shot and everything sounds like I'm doing, you know, advanced physics and talking about him, but it, he's, he's got such ability that, you know, it's easy to see why scouts and everybody would fall in love with a guy like this because they're just like, all right, let's, this kid can put it together. He could, he could be a lot of fun. And, you know, I think we're starting to see a little bit of that, a little bit of that come together. And now you put him with Eichel and Skinner, be very excited to see what that looks like in Carolina. One of my biggest pet peeves are people who bitch about all-star snubs. But in this case with Jeff Skinner, I mean, God, everyone complained and has a great point, don't they? Were you shocked to find him not on this all-star team? Uh, you know, I, I wasn't really. Uh, you know, I, I figured Eichel was going to be the guy no matter what. Um, it, just because it's, it's you know, he's Jack Eichel. He's he's the best guy on the team, and he's the superstar. I, I I think with all-star stuff, especially with the, this format with the you know, divisional teams, and they're kind of hamstrung by you know certain numbers of forwards. You got to have a guy from every team, and they're in a loaded division. <laughs> you know, I there was going to be guys that were going to be left out, and I didn't. You know, for as for as good as the Sabers have been in the first half, they haven't been as good as Tampa and Toronto, and so that I mean that that makes it difficult. But I mean it's. Skinner's making it very hard to ignore. I mean, it's it's 29 goals. Yeah, second well, in the what more can he do? I mean, yeah, I, it, I I guess he could lead the league in goals. I, I mean, who knows? He might he might end up leading the league in goals by the time they hit the All Star game. But I I don't get hung up on it because you know there's right. so many All Star games in the past where you know guys would would duck out for you know the, the, they're not feeling well, they're a little injured, they got this that and the other thing. And uh, in this case, I yeah I think it's one where <laughs> I've been pointing out a bit more lately. Ever, you know, I did a piece on Skinner being a slippery guy. You know, a couple months ago, I think it was. And, uh, basically, what I was learning through that was that guys hate playing against him, and it's not because he scores a lot of goals. So maybe, maybe it's the kind of thing where you invite him to the All Star game, and guys are just like, "Oh, we got to deal with this guy." All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like fine, he's an all-star, but you know, go be a pain in the ass for somebody else instead. But, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, Jack's the figurehead. He's, I mean, he's the superstar. I, mean, I think about it like this: if you don't have a guy like Eichel there, and then he makes it later, you know, a year or two later, and you're saying like, wow, how's this guy only been at this many All-Star games? It's that way for Sidney Crosby because he was always hurt at the All-Star game. So, you know, you you want your biggest names to be there to represent the team and to represent the league. So I, mean, I get it. It's not to say that Jeff Skinner is not a huge star because he should be. And if he keeps this up, he's going to be. Uh, but, you know, sometimes when you got 
you know, you got these teams that are overly represented because they've they've earned it and deserved it. It happens. I I can't get worked up about it. I'm sure Sabres fans won't be too upset if he resigns during the break. Like if he signs a new deal during the break and he gets two weeks off to rest up and get ready for a playoff run. I'm sure everybody will be very okay with that. Sure. What are your thoughts on why Sherry hasn't been able to get it going this year? I think I read the stats right. He's only got like one goal in his last 23 games. What's been the problem? Uh, horrible luck. Uh, I, I would say it's horrible luck. Goalie's making unbelievable saves. And that's really what it comes down to. I, he's not lacking for chances. I, I should pull. I should have pulled up the numbers in front of me, but his scoring chance numbers have to be very high. I mean, he's had, you know, I think back to, gosh, what game was it? Oh, I forget. But he had a game where he had like a couple of breakaways and you know, goalie makes a great stop or, you know, the back checker gets him and, and slows him down or whatever. And he's just been, I don't know, it, it's not really like snake bit, but man, he's just had so many opportunities and it just hasn't gone. I, From talking to these guys all the time, they always say they don't stress out if about scoring if they're getting the chances. It's when they don't get the chances that they really get worried. And I wonder at what point does the breaking point come in for a guy where they keep, keep getting chances and they keep not getting goals if there's if there's a similar breaking point, I think it's just a matter of of how quickly, how impatient and how patient guys can be when it comes to not delivering. Because I know you know guys like Apozo and and Sherry kind of gnaws at him. I mean, we saw Sherry score an empty net goal a couple a few games ago, and it just looked like a you know monkey jumped off his back. He was finally able to get one to go in because he'd been so close for so many games. Let's talk earlier in the season about that ten game winning streak because. That really put Buffalo on the map around the league. How much fun was it covering the team during that run? And for people who aren't in Buffalo, such as myself right now, how much did it raise the excitement level of this team around town? Well, I'll tell you, I, my comparison for it is how it went last year when, when the Bills made the playoffs and the Sabres were mired in just like a, a disastrous run. And everybody said, you know what? Forget those guys. We're all in on these guys. And I yeah. think the same thing happened this time around because, you know, Josh Allen was was hurt. You know, the Bills were playing terrible. You know, they're getting pounded on by the Bears, all these other teams. And everybody said, you know what? Forget these guys. These guys are winning. We're here for them now. And it was a, it was a distinct trade, you know, trading of roles compared to last year. It, the amount of excitement and the way people paid attention was unbelievable. I mean, I you know, when I'm out and I'm, I'm going around and, you know, some people might recognize me, other people just know me and they don't know what I do. But um, but the number of people I had that were just honestly talking about the Sabres and what they were doing, just going out and about anywhere, just in general, was was wild. And, you know, you, you go out, you know, I go out for dinner or go go to like a sports bar or something, go have a brew and maybe some wings. And then, you know, the, the game's on and, you know, there's you know, maybe there's a college football bowl game on or something else, or some other kind of big game is on TV and you're like, well, everybody's here to watch this. And then, you know, Eichel scores a goal or Skinner scores a goal. The whole place erupts. And you're like, oh, oh, okay. Everybody's here to watch this now. They're not watching the other games. It's like, oh, okay. All right. We've, this has turned a corner now because this hasn't happened here in quite a few years. So it's, it's, it's almost typical Buffalo in that when the team's winning, everybody's on board. It, I mean, it it sounds it sounds like it's almost bandwagony, but it's not the case. Everybody here's a fan. 
it's just a question of whether or not, whether or not the team's given them a reason to to be outwardly fanatics about the team, and it, it brought them out. It brought everybody out. Now, now it's the flip side of it, where you know they haven't, you know, they haven't. The winning hasn't been as much recently, and now everybody's like, okay, let's get to the playoffs, guys. You had that big run. Let's do it now. It's the, the expectations change. It went from being a cute story to being to setting the bar to say like, all right, let's get to the playoffs. Let's do this. Well, you've been in that building. For a lot of games, for a lot of years now, I mean, they, they, and they were terrible. And it was like going to a game used to feel like you were getting the life sucked out of you. But even despite recent struggles, or at least I don't want to say struggles, but inconsistency, they're still like, I think they're 14-5-3 and three at home this year. I mean, it's fun to go to a Sabres home game again. It's an, It feels like an event. You know what I mean? The atmosphere. How much better is the atmosphere in the building this year than over the last couple of years? Oh, it's, it's infinitely better. I mean, it's... Before it was it was like a drudgery march for fans to come in because they're just like all right let's get this game again. You know I look at it like you know the Panthers were here uh, last week and Panthers games in the middle of a week were always games where even you know even though the fans always turn out it was always like all right those those games on on StubHub they ain't selling like nobody nobody yeah. buying a game, Thursday night Panthers game. Uh, instead it was a packed house and the fans were geeked up and everybody was into it and you know they beat florida so it was it was a much different feel to it it's it's games like that that really show the difference between you know the, how, how well they're playing this year and in the past because those games in the past nobody like it, it's not nobody's coming I mean, everybody still comes out but it's not the same you know it's 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 quiet it's it's a morgue inside and it's totally different. Even even the Leafs game earlier this season, and granted, that's you know, it's right while you know the hype machine's going strong. Uh, there weren't as many Leafs fans. You know, the the Montreal game earlier, not as many Habs fans. It was way more Sabres fans in the house than than normal. Where those games in the past, it would you know, think back to the Leafs game at the end of last season, where it was eighty percent Toronto fans, and it was basically a, another home game for for the Leafs, but. You know, it's been different already this year, and it, it's encouraging to see that, especially with them being so good at home, that if, you know, they get to the playoffs and if, you know, if they're playing Toronto or if they're playing Washington or if they're playing, you know, who knows? You know, maybe they're playing Tampa. Who knows? But, you know, the fans are going to be there, and they're going to be loud. It's it's going to set things at a, an entirely different level that, you know, this, this team operates very emotionally, and if the fans are that geeked up and into it, yeah, it could be it could be a real den of horrors for teams to come into Buffalo to try to deal with that. I got a couple more questions for you. I'm looking at the schedule. Why is the Sabres schedule seem so crazy over this next month? And I should probably preface by saying maybe it's been like this in years past, but they've been so bad. Honestly, Joe, by the time it gets to be this point of January, I pretty much have mailed it in and stopped caring at that point. But I'm looking right now. And starting next Monday, they play five straight on the road to finish the month. I mean, the All-Star break is there, so that's why they're not going to be back at home again. But so they play five straight on the road, and then they play seven straight games at home, which takes them past the midpoint of February. Is that common to have that many home games in a row? Or to have that many road games in a row where you don't have a home game for, what, a month? Yeah, this is this is stretching the boundaries of, of what's common. I, I, we've seen stretches like this. I, I know last year, when they hosted the World Junior Championships in Buffalo, there was a similar thing in February where they just had a ton of home games. But you know, they had to leave town for for two and a half weeks to to let the uh, the World Juniors go on here. But you know, th- they don't have the same thing this year. Instead, it's it, instead what's happened is their is their bye week has gotten folded into right before the All Star break. So 
uh, you know, so that so they're getting like the four days off there, and then you know the All Star break is like three or four more days, and you know they they're coming off of you know they're gonna have a what the Western Canada swing before that, so they they they've got all this time to to break in. They're they're basically getting two weeks off. I think they go eleven days between games as it is. I, I mean, once they play Tampa here on Saturday, they're not home again until I think February second. Yeah. So. It's it's a really bizarre setup. I I haven't seen something like that before, where where a team is is going to be gone for basically like three weeks uh, from home, and that's that. I, it's it's very strange, and you know the way the games get packed in. There's so many of these weird back to backs with like a, you know like the back to back this weekend where they're in Raleigh, and they come home to play against Tampa. It's just it's a lot of weird quirky stuff like that. But I mean whatever. Whatever the matrix is they use for for the schedule, I think sometimes it could use a little powering on, power off and power back on again. To <laughs> get it fixed. This is it's very strange. Seven in a row at home like that in the middle of a month when there's no special event scaring the team away is very strange. Sure. Second last question here. We're about a third in the January now. The trade deadline is at the end of February. I think it's obvious the Sabers aren't going to be sellers this year at the deadline. Do you think they're going to be buyers, or do you expect them to mostly stand pat? I think they're going to be they're going to be close to standing pat, uh, just because. I mean, they got a ton of defensemen. I think they want to reward those guys. I mean, you know, Casey Nelson's going to be back by the time she's probably after the All Star break. If I had to guess, I mean, he's he's already got his gear back in the room, so he's getting closer. But you know, they've got you know they've got eight or nine defensemen. They've got you know they've got another you know they stuck Brendan Gooley down in Rochester, so I don't. I don't think they really need to add a guy unless it's just a unless it's a short term rental guy to to plug in and be you know just to help out. They could use some help up front, um, just scoring wise. But like, good luck pulling somebody out from another team to to try to make it better. I, I've started going through the list of you know of unrestricted free agents to be this summer to see if maybe there's a rental piece out there. But uh, but honestly, it, I think the Sabers are in a good spot in that. If they want to add somebody, I think they can do it, and I think they could do it relatively easily. But they're not in a position to to go get a rental player and make a run at the cup. I don't, you know, I, I don't think that's possible. I mean, anything happens in the playoffs as long as you get in. But I mean, for this team, it's you know, there's a there's a process in place for Jason Bottrell, and I don't think giving up a prospect or giving up a first round pick to add a guy who might be around for three months. Is is in the cards. I just don't see that happening unless unless there's a prospect down there that maybe they're thinking, all right, maybe we can use this guy to get a guy, and we're okay moving on from him. But I just don't really see that really happening right now. They can add. They can absolutely add. Whether they how much they add or what they get, I don't know. I just I just don't see it. If they can get some depth help scoring wise, I think that's for the best. Maybe I think there's a longer conversation to be had about center behind Jack just because you know if you're going to the playoffs with you know Middlestat being kind of up and down and then Saboka and Rodriguez like those guys are all playing well but they're all playing well in the roles but I don't know how well that matchup works in the playoffs last question then I'll let you go I can't believe I'm asking you this I definitely would not have been asking you this when I had you on the podcast in mid-September based on how good this team was playing for a while the 10-game winning streak being on top of the NHL literally for a couple of days, if this team ends up failing to make the playoffs, how much trouble, if any, do you think head coach Phil Housley may be in? I don't think there's a lot of trouble to be had. I know there's 
there's a lot of quibbles to be had with lineup choices and, and, and what, you know, what he's got to work with. But I, I don't really see something where, you know, there's guys being left out of the lineup or guys being put in, in spots. I mean, like I said, we could have debates forever about where the right spot for Middlestat or Rodriguez or some of these other guys are. But uh, I don't see really see anything right now that would say that he would be in trouble. The only way trouble happens is if they miss the playoffs and there's a there's a ten game losing streak involved to make it happen, right? Uh, and not you know a catastrophic injury to 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 a player that helped make it go. Um, but I I don't think there's I don't think there's trouble there. But I think with Phil, it's the the improvement between last year and this year is so good that they have they have to feel good about what he's been able to do. And I know the guys guys in that room really go to bat for him so that's that's a positive thing and you know given how things have gone in the past year i guess that's it's a big deal but um but with these guys i yeah i think i think phil's i think phil's fine because there's they're going to be better than they were last year it's hard to be worse we've seen worse but it's hard to be worse but but i i think they're i think they're in a good spot if they if they pull in like a 90 something point season and miss the playoffs just because somebody else had like a point more that's hard to get mad at. You know, they had 60-whatever points last year. If they improve the 90 and just miss, that's just a bad break. And, you know, you can't really hang that on the coach unless it's, like I said, unless it's just, like, some really bizarre moves or bizarre decisions or just a just some really bad luck with, with injury. I agree, man. Good insight. All right, everyone, follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Yurden. Of course, go subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't already. You know, that shit costs less than... It's less than the cost of like a ham sub each month. And ham subs aren't even that good. <laughs> the athletic is definitely better than a ham sub. Also. Yeah. Say, See, that, that's your new model, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. I appreciate your time, buddy. Hey, you got it, Patrick. Thanks. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop! I'm talking to you! What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants! Look, I'm wearing a belt! I got big boy pants on! <laughs> oh my god, that is funny! Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. All right, tell them pucks. Dude, so. We got a lot I want to hit on, and we only have a semi-limited amount of time. But before we get going, I do have a little anecdote from last week. I think you'll get a kick out of it. Are you in a humorous mood right now? I think you'll appreciate I this. I am. I mean, your anecdotes don't usually do much for me, but I, I'm always <laughs> in a humorous mood. I got a feeling this one will. So right, last week when I was still in Buffalo, it was last Thursday night. I got together with Matt Perino from NewYorkUpstate.com, and we taped an episode at the Autobahn North in Amherst. And I put something on Twitter beforehand, and there were a couple people who were fans of the show who stopped out to say hello. One of them, you remember Michael, he was a nice guy. Remember when we did our show last year at Amherst Ale House, and he, and he showed up and hung out with us? Yeah. Yeah, good dude, man. Yes. Pretty good yes, dude. Anyway, so... Yo, hold up, though. Yeah. Is that is that place on Sweet Home Road? It that, is. Uh, oh, my God. It is. Yes, and I'll tell you what. Uh, I used to get hammered there. Did you find the wedding ring I lost there? Is <laughs> that the anecdote? <laughs> That's not the anecdote. 
I'm not going right. to talk about their food again. It was great, but I'm, that's not what I'm trying to get at here. So me and Matt are sitting down. We're eating some wings, and we're getting ready to start taping. Michael joins us, he, and he starts talking to us. <laughs> I don't know what made him say it, but he goes, he asked about Tone Pucks. Apparently, there's a couple Tone Pucks fans out there. And um, he asked me, he says, does Tone Puck help you? Does he do a lot of the producing? I said, what? I said, that motherfucker don't even throw out a retweet when an episode comes out that he's on. Or let alone or share it on Facebook. Produce it. I can't even get a retweet or a like out of him. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. <laughs> All right. So listen, I want to get into a few things here. As we tape this, the Buffalo Bills had sent out an email earlier this week to, I, I think it's season ticket holders, kind of a survey. I don't want to say it was a poll. It was more of a survey asking fans how they felt about a potential new stadium or, or renovating the old stadium here in Orchard Park. I don't want to say old because they've done renovating recently, but basically it was one of those two things and asking, you know, fans to rate, would you strongly support this, mildly support it, be completely against it? And they did that for both, as well as some other questions that I'm not going to get into. But you get the gist of it. Pretty much, I guess what the Pagulas are looking to find out is the fans' perspective on, do they think we should have a new stadium, probably, obviously, downtown, or keep the one that we have in Orchard Park and renovate it? I found this interesting. Buffalo Rumblings, a, a Bill's website that I really like. Matt Warren does a great job running it. With, they put out a poll on Wednesday asking fans, do you want a new stadium or would you rather renovate in Orchard Park? Four hours later, and I mean, almost 3,000 people already voted. That's a pretty large sample size. Literally, dead even, 50-50. I mean, that's how close it is. 50% of fans would like to stay in Orchard Park. 50% of fans right now would rather the Bills build a new stadium. I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What do you think? Where do I fall on that? Or what do I think about just the the, the business model or the uh, the strategy of involving the fans in a uh, uh, in this type of survey? Oh, what the fuck's the difference? I'll give you both. Um, <laughs> I'm in favor of the I'm in favor of the new stadium. Give me the you know, give me the 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 downtown palace. You know, as have it cost as much as you know humanly possible, regardless of taxpayer dollars. I'm completely irresponsible like that. I want to walk into, uh, you know, uh, Jerry World. You know what I mean, and and have it be as cheesy as it sounds, Terry World. Although we would never call it that. That's what I want. You know, I mean, I I, I love sports. I love down, downtown Buffalo. I'm not a big uh, big drinker, okay? So, And I think that plays into, you know, some of why, some of the reasons why I want it. You know, there's a lot of a lot of uh, breweries going up and stuff like that. Those, those are big, big draws downtown, but they're not sure. for me, all right? So I want my sports arena uh, that could potentially host all kinds of things to be absolute state-of-the-art and very accessible to my proximity, and and I'm I'm a city kid, city guy. Oh God, I'm certainly not a kid anymore. So that's where I fall, you know, in terms of what I want. As far as what I think, you know, plays into reaching out to the fan base and stuff like that. I I just don't think it means anything. I I don't I don't think it's necessarily done to appease the fans. Uh, it it is probably just a very, very small crutch one day 
when they have to make very difficult decisions one way or another on what to do. And, and they'll be able to reference this survey, you know, to the people who, you know, who ultimately are disappointed by the decision, whether it's the taxpayers or the people who wanted it kept out to where, you know, they could tailgate and stuff like that. I don't think the response to this, uh, to this survey, survey, even if it were extremely tilted, makes one damn bit of difference in which ways this this thing breaks. And who the hell doesn't already know how split it is? I mean, come on. Who hasn't had a conversation with anyone, you know, that that they know who has any interest in football about what they would like to see for a stadium? How many times has it been a topic uh, in sports talk or on Twitter, you know, without it necessarily being a poll? We have enough data to know that it is a pretty damn even split. It's interesting that they officially, you know, that they sent out something official from the team, but I don't think it means shit. I tend to agree with you on that. I don't agree with you on your opinion on where the stadium should be. And that's just a difference of opinion. I kind of like it where it is. I don't know. I don't really have a really good reason why. I guess maybe I'm impatient. I feel like downtown's already busy. You had a stadium down there. It's going to be insane. I mean, I do see your point. And again, that's just a personal preference. I kind of like it where it is. But regardless of our opinion, and we differ on that, let me ask you this. And then we'll move on and because I do want to talk about the actual Buffalo Bills. Do you think ultimately that a new stadium will get built? Right now, I asked you for your opinion. What do you think should happen? Ultimately, do you think that there's going to be a new stadium downtown? Or do you think at the end of the day that they're going to renovate an Orchard Park? I think while it's 50-50 on what people want, I think I'm in the minority here where I say that I think they end up staying in Orchard Park and renovating. What do you think the Bills ultimately do? Look, I've seen some real smart people allude to a buying pattern of real estate right now you know, in, in areas that strongly suggest, you know, a stadium yeah. outside of its current location. So I, I'm just, I'm just going with that. I mean, look, there's, there's smart people have been wrong before smart people have been right about one thing, but you know, wrong about the agenda behind it. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily, you know, seal it. It, it shouldn't seal it by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I believe where there's smoke, there's fire. You know, I, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure uh, that comes down from the NFL. I, I don't know that they necessarily succumb to, to the pressure uh, strictly on the basis of their their fellow owners. But I think that certainly plays a role. Uh, I think a new one eventually gets built. It'll definitely be something worth monitoring. And we will in the coming weeks, months, possibly even years. Let's turn our attention for a couple of minutes to the actual Buffalo Bills. We got together and we taped an episode at Starbucks just hours after the season had ended. You really didn't have much time to digest anything other than the actual season finale itself. Now you've had a little bit of time and you reflect. How did the season play out for you? And how do you feel about this team right now going forward into the offseason? Well, not much has changed, at least as far as I feel the season played out. And that's because I felt real strongly that day that I had kind of been hit with an, an, an epiphany of sorts that I can't remember in, in recent 
uh, times a season that played out so much according to what the preseason script looked like, at least for me, you know, and, and I think for you're people right. that had some realistic expectations. Look, there were people out there who thought this team would be, you know, two win bad. What, you know, like one to three win bad. I, I never felt that. And I was hoping for, for the best, but I, I think people that really paid attention to the team, looked at the schedule, uh, saw a, you know, a very difficult first half and a uh, very relenting second half. And that's exactly how it played, man. And I think there's a lot of cause for optimism. You know, uh, one of my favorites on the local scene is is Mike Shope, and he wasted no time going right to, you know, his talking point for the offseason, which is, okay, what is – the, you know, the Bills have told you for the last two years what they were, all right, or more so probably what they weren't, all right, and that is a team prepared to contend, you know, in the first two years of, of McDermott and Bean. You know, they they tempered your expectations for, the, for themselves for the first couple of years. And now, you know, they, they have their quarterback. They have the space. So now what are the expectations? What what does the, you know, what does the national media or, or you know, just the, the, the temperature of, of, you know, NFL fans, what, you know, what is that for the Bills? What is it for us? And what does McDermott and Bean sound like as you now enter the years where, you know, it's supposed to start, you know, the, the wins and losses are supposed to start really mattering. And, I think that's a great conversation. You know, you know I, I think I think it's one that, um, you know, becomes the topic when we're not talking about, you know, what's specific to the to the team at that given time, you know, free agency, the draft or or whatever. So I, I'm, I'll turn it around. I'll put it back on you. What are your expectations for next year? What do you think, you know, they should be? Forget what they'll spend the money on. Well, no, we know it'll be spent. We know where we you know, would like to see it spent, those sort of things. Forget that. What are they What are, what are they supposed to be next year? They're supposed to be a winner. They're supposed to be a winner that should be, at worst, I think, a fringe contender for a playoff spot. Year one, they made the playoffs. That was unexpected. And a lot of things fell into place. And I think we all know that. Uh, but, you, I mean, you can't discount that. As much as it's easy to discount it, you can't discount that. Year two, they take a step back. They only win six games. I think that's pretty much, I would say, in that five to seven range. And you're right. I think that's what most realistic fans expected. But coming into this offseason, the rookie played a lot. He played a lot more than we thought he would when he got drafted anyway. I didn't expect him to play. I think he started, what, 11, 12 games this year? I don't think many people expected that to happen, especially coming out of camp when he wasn't named the starter. So the quarterback got a lot of playing time. They, they do have a lot of cap room. And here's another important thing. It's one thing to have salary cap room. It's another thing when you have salary cap room, but you got to spend a lot of it to re-sign core players that are going to become free agents. There ain't one free agent on this team right now that you say, oh my God, holy shit, man, we got to sign this guy. There's not one, not even one. Lorenzo Alexander is a good player. I'm sure he wants to be back and I'm sure the Bills want to have him back. You know what? That He's 36 years old, man. That's a one-year deal. Lock him up. What, three, four, five million? Maybe somewhere in that range. 
Besides that, dude, there's nobody. Jordan Mills, John Miller. I mean, seriously, and they're going to lose four and a half more million on that cap or gain, I should say, because Charles Clay is 100% getting cut. We don't know what's going to happen with Shady. All signs point to him being back. But my point is, none of their resources are going to have to go into tying up guys that they consider important players. They're going to have a shitload of money to spend, and they're not going to have to worry about their own guys. They're going to be able to get a bunch of new guys. So this is the year to me, you know, between last year's draft moving up and and the moves they made and the the moves that they're going to make in this offseason, which are going to be plentiful, no doubt about it. Another top 10 pick. They got the ninth pick of the draft as of right now. To me, if they're not at a minimum a nine-win team, I'm not saying they should be fired, but I think absolutely being a McDermott go on the hot seat in a big way. That's my opinion on this coming season. I like it. I'm I'm one game less than that. I uh, I I think the the low water mark, and, and you know, soap also makes another good point though. We're gonna sit here probably locally and talk about a a, a low water mark of well, I have it at eight wins. All right, I say this team needs to be 500 in uh, uh, the year after a, a teardown. Um, I don't even really look at the first year. I don't consider it year three. I consider it. Uh, you know, you said year essentially two. year two. Yeah, we talked about that before. Yep. You know, but I, but you know, they also, you know, they certainly had a big major head start with uh, with year one. So I, I, I do recognize that it's it's not a true year two of a teardown. Eight and eight's the low water mark for me. But okay, so now let's ask this question: What do you think the over under is at the betting sites for Bills wins? As of right now, or when it's all said and done, like in August, are you all, talking when about? When it's all said and done, yeah, yeah. When it's all said, I and done. would say it's going to be nine. I mean, I know oh, they, they like that. No, that's not right. It's but it's it, dude. It's it's going to be about seven and a half. No way. Nobody's going to think that team's supposed to be as good as we want it to be and think it should be. They're going to fix I, that I, offensive line. They're going to get a good receiver. They're going to add to the offense. Josh Allen is going into year two. He played much better over the last couple games than he did earlier in the season. They got good rookies on this team. They got the ninth pick. Who knows what they do? They're probably going to get five or six new starters on offense and defense than last year. Got a good young middle linebacker. I don't see how anyone could set an odds. I'll tell you what, if it's seven, seven and a half, I'll tell you right now, I'm betting the over. I can tell you that right now in the first week of January. I'll bet the over if it's under eight. Well, I think the answer is simple. I think we see Josh Allen as a guy in year two who could win nine or ten games, and I think we're yeah, it's contingent on him. I think we're I think I think we're in the minority there. I think they could they, I think they could knock free agency in the draft out of the park, uh, but when push comes to shove, that number is going to be set, and our expectations are going to be set on what we think Josh Allen can be. And yeah. I think there's a lot of people that think Josh Allen can be a nine or ten win quarterback. But I think those people mostly reside in the seven one six area code, and outside of that, well, that's you fair. Know, it's going to be much more modest. Um, I mean, much more modest expectation. And I just went at it with you with you know guys that they're going to bring in and all this money they got to spend. But you know what? At the end of the day, I didn't mention Josh Allen. It's contingent on him developing sure. and taking it a step. And there's no guarantee that he's going to take a step. There's a lot of critics out there that surely don't think he's going to. So oh, yeah, and, and it's based way, on him. Those, 
Zoe, Zoe's not going to be three, four, five. Zoe's going to want what Kyle got to be the leader of this football team last year, and that's eight million dollars. He that's won't get I it. I think. I I think he wants it. He won't get I, it. He'll I get more than three. I, I was low with I think three. He deserves, I think he deserves to ask for it. Yeah. All right. I mean, look, look, man, Kyle Williams got a, a one-year contract, all right, for like eight or eight and a half or something like that, if memory serves me right, last year. All right. Lorenzo Alexander can certainly argue that he was more valuable in the season leading up to this one-year deal than, than Kyle Williams was. And there's no reason that he shouldn't be asking for that money. I won't ask him for it and getting it are two different things. I might say, again, I was low with three, but I'll tell you what, I mean, that that was what he made this past year. He made 3.6. I'm sorry. That was his salary for 2018, 3.6. He's 36 years old, man. Maybe you give him four or five. No, he's not getting eight. I could guarantee you he's not going to get eight, nor should he at 36 years old. But even if, you know what, let's just say he wants six, give him six. I don't even give a shit for the sake of this conversation. Give him eight. He's not going to get eight, but give it to him. It doesn't matter. It doesn't change the overall. Yeah, he's got to be back. He's got to be. He's got to be back. He, he will be back. And when you talked about Levi Wallace last week, and I thought that was an excellent point. He's every bit as important to this team right now in his development as Robert Foster was. And you said that last week, and you're 100% right. You bring back Lorenzo Alexander and Levi Wallace continues to develop. Anything you do on defense this offseason and the draft of free agency, that's gravy. It's bonus because the defense is already good. They already got 11 guys back. I mean, Kyle Williams will be gone, but Phillips, assuming he's back, or um, Harrison Phillips, you know, they'll step in. And I'll tell you one more thing. Everyone's talking, and it's only January, man, and we're not going to start bringing up names because that's ridiculous in January. But everyone and their mother is already saying the Bills are going to either draft an offensive lineman at nine or maybe a wide receiver at nine. I don't buy that at all. I often think GMs are full of shit, but I one trillion percent believe Brandon Bean when he says he'll take the best player available. Are you trying to tell me if the best player on the board is a defensive tackle that the Bills won't draft him ninth overall, even though the defense is really good and the offense is really bad right now? They will one million percent draft a guy like, say, Ed Oliver or a good defensive end even for that matter if he's on the board at nine. Don't buy that bullshit that they're going to take an offensive lineman or a receiver because that's their biggest need. I can be sold on a pass rusher. I will not, cannot be sold, even in the case of it being, you know, the the top ranked corner on the board or whatever. I, I just, I can't see it being a corner just because of, I, I mean, I think, and I, I went back and forth. I think it was on one of your threads, but I went back and forth with someone on Twitter just about, you know, the financial part of grabbing another top 10 corner. And and we could be wrong about, you know, the emergence of Levi Wallace. We're going on, you know, our amateur eye test and some other grades from, you know, uh, you know, sources that we, you know, have some have some faith in. But they may not feel the the same way. They may just see a guy who played against a bunch of shitty quarterbacks and offenses in the second yeah. half of the season and um and projects to be nothing more than a depth guy. And in that case, you know, then all all bets are off. But if what we believe in Levi Wallace is is right, then the defense sure seems pretty close to being set. And uh the only thing that changes your mind uh there from needing to draft for offense is uh is a dominant pass rusher. 
good point. We got plenty of time to talk about the Bills. I want to hit on some other stuff. I'm going to call this, I did this with Mike Nietzsche a couple weeks ago. It was the Nietzsche interest meter. This is going to be the Pucks interest meter. I'm going to hit on some random topics. And what I want you to do is rank it between a 1 and 10. You can use a decimal, obviously 10 being you care about it a lot. 1 meaning you literally don't give two shits. And maybe give me a comment or two, a quick take on it. You ready to go? I like this. Yes. I'm, yeah, I do too, I'm man. Ready. It gives us an opportunity to talk about more what things. Episode, what episode and approximately, you know, <laughs> what point in the episode did you do this with Mike? <laughs> All right, man. Here we go. As we're taping this now, this can completely fall apart before people listen. But as of right now, as we're taping, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are still without a team. Oh, interest level? Yeah. 8.2. I love baseball. I can't wait till it's back. I don't like the fact that the uh, the market for, for hitters is just like, uh, you know, so dead right now. Like free agency just doesn't have that one super fun day like, you know, like the NFL has and stuff. But why do free agents take so long to sign in baseball? Every other sport, it's bam, 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 bam. Baseball, I mean, Jesus Christ, we're, we're in the second week of January now, and they still haven't signed. Because they're getting lowballed, man. They're getting lowballed because of the luxury taxes and, and uh, uh, you know, the, the, the pool money for international players and stuff like that because there's so many killer prospects, you know, coming from uh, – you know, coming from overseas now and, and, and nobody wants to, you know, to lose that money that they could spend on them. I mean, look at uh, uh, J.D. Martinez's contract last year. It went till about this time and they got, oh, my God, did the Red Sox steal him? Yeah, and look how did. fucking good he was. Yeah, they you did. You know what I mean? I like what the I, well, I don't know that I want to say I like it, but, you know, it's certainly interesting what the white Sox are doing like you know signing all his boys and shit all of machado's boys so um that was gonna we'll be my it. that's that's my follow-up okay again as of right now neither have signed that could change by the time people are listening but as we tape this neither sign quickly forecaster teams give me your pick machado white Sox, harper phillies okay next topic jeff skinner not being in the nhl all-star game at least as of now uh, about a 2.7 on the interest meter. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right. Next one. Kyle Williams deciding to play in the Pro Bowl. So this will be his last game. Oh, not real high on the interest meter, but I'm happy for him because I think, it, you know, that's a great way to go out and celebrate with, you know, with his, with his peers who, obviously have a great deal of respect for him. Um, and I think he deserves to, you know, get that sort of respect on uh, a bigger stage, which for some reason or another, well, mainly, you know, because of people like Scully, the, the pro bowl is that bigger stage, <laughs> even though I will pay no attention to it whatsoever. Clemson beating the shit out of Alabama on Monday night to win the national championship. Also very low on the interest meter. Maybe that's in that two to three range also, man. Didn't care. Sick of seeing the same teams and sick of a college playoff that gave us absolutely no good football games. Still want to talk shit about Notre Dame not belonging. They played Clemson a point closer than Bama did. I'm just saying. 
Didn't want to really talk shit about it then. Don't want to talk shit about it now. Never really cared about Notre Dame to begin with. I just like when you're mad. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next one. Bruce Arians returning to the NFL. He is now the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like this story. uh, Six and a half on the interest meter. I like it mainly because I'm glad it's not with the Browns. I've got a great deal of respect for Arians. I was worried that he would end up, you know, with with Mayfield. I think Cleveland's going to be a stiff competition for us uh, for a wild card or or maybe more, uh, you know, in the years to come when uh, when it's Allen and Mayfield's conference and, and not uh, Brady's and Roethlisberger's necessarily. And I'd, I'd, I'd rather take my chances with the uh, with the young OC that they hired to be their coach than, than with a, uh, a proven guy like Arians. Okay. Adam Gase going to the Jets. Bills fans seem to like that. If not, flat out think it's funny. I don't know why. Uh, well, you know, I mean, just a typical case of, of, uh, of recycling a coach. But usually you see that with you know, with, with older guys, they, they have a tendency like McCarthy and stuff like that. In the case of Gase, man, um, you know, the guy had a lot of cred prior to the Dolphins gig. And I think, you know, the more and more things start to, you know, come out about that, the more and more it looks kind of like an institutional failure than an Adam Gase failure. I'm a little bit nervous about uh, the the marriage of Gase and, and Darnold in the division. Nah, see, if, if I'm a Jets fan, I don't like this hire. I just don't think, in generally speaking, I don't like the idea of a coach getting fired and then going to another team that same season. I think they should at least take a year off. They got fired because something went wrong, and I think maybe spending a year figuring out what they did wrong or what they could do differently in their approach to the team might help. If I again, if I'm a Bills fan, I like it. But Jets fan, man, I'm I'm not sure I like that. Not necessarily anything bad against Adam Gase. It's more of I just don't like the idea of a coach going from one head coaching job to the next without having some time off to maybe figure out what he might have done wrong. Anyway, last item. This is probably going to hurt your heart here. Your favorite fantasy baseball pitcher, James Garcia, is retiring. Really? Yes. Just read that on Wednesday. He's been on every fantasy baseball team at some point. <laughs> Tell me, think of can you think of a guy who has been added and dropped more than than Garcia? Seriously, if you go look at like the player history, he probably gets picked up and dropped probably six, seven times. We have a twelve team league. I'll bet you he's been on five or six of our teams each year. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't know. One of the first guys that came to mind is is Kevin Gaussman has a tendency to to find his way on and off to rosters a lot. Although uh, I, I think he'll probably stick this year, um, you know, with the Braves. Yeah, you know, uh, Remember, happy, did trails, you, you, happy you, trails to, to, to Jaime. I, <laughs> I, I thought I thought he was going to be a great, like, fourth or fifth arm for, Toronto. for the Chase last year. He I remember you said he was your sleeper. Thing. We did our baseball preseason selections, and he, I don't know if you were – maybe you were just joking, but – he Whatever. was your sleeper of the year. I remember that. Make the playoffs, then talk to me. <laughs> All right. So in lieu, usually we do the puck drop, but in lieu of that this week, because the NFL divisional round is here, let me get your take on this. Four NFL games this weekend. You got New England, KC, Rams, Saints, all home favorites. 
Which of them do you think is most likely to lose at home? Who the hell the Rams got? Rams got. Oh, Dallas. Yep, the Rams got Dallas. Dallas. It ain't happening no, in the NFC. No, the Rams got Philly. No. Um, you're right. My bad. You're right. The Rams, Rams got, got Dallas. Dallas. Yep. Phillies and New Orleans. And I don't see it happening uh, in, in the NFC at all. And uh, as much as I've liked Andrew Luck, and I think that team is poised to do some serious shit next year uh, with the money they have to spend oh, this yeah. offseason. Oh, yeah. I, I, I do think that just the you know the the roster def- deficiencies that they have with all that money that they didn't spend this year you know will will catch up to them in the KC game luck won't be enough and and i think i, I think they might all be blowouts but but one and that's uh uh, and that's also would be my pick for the road team to win. I, I think Philip Rivers right now doesn't give a fuck where these games are being played. Um, I think he's got an absolute, you know, pit bull, bulldog, whatever uh, mentality. And they got two ferocious pass rushers that they can turn loose on a much more stationary, uh, you know, quarterback than they just uh, obviously than they just played. Boy, that's just a damn good football team, man. Uh, they're a better football team, you know, plain and simple. I I, I have no qualms about saying that uh, that I feel like, you know, uh, the Chargers and Patriots play 10 games on a neutral uh, field right now as they both uh, as they both stand that the Chargers win seven out of 10. So, you know, I'm just uh, I'm going to say that they they find a way to get one done in uh in Foxborough, man. You know what? I completely agree with you 100%. I think they're better than New England. I'm going to give you two hot takes here as we wrap this up. One, I think th- I think it's over for New England. I really do. I think the best days of New England are behind them. Of course, you know what's going to happen, dude? Trevor Lawrence somehow in two years is going to end up with New England Patriots. Best college freshman quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Somehow, someway, that motherfucker is going to end up in New England. I guarantee it. Anyway, though, I think it's over for the Patriots. I, I might sound like or look like an idiot next week, but I'm going to say it. I think the Chargers are going to dominate them in Foxborough. And I think it might be over for Tom Brady, dude. I really, I really do. You know, Ryan Talbot was on the show on Tuesday and he said it perfect, man. There's four AFC quarterbacks left. When did you ever think you'd hear this? Tom Brady's probably the worst of the four. Between Mahomes, Luck, and Phillip Rivers at this point, Tom Brady's probably the worst of those four quarterbacks. You agree with that? Yeah, that's a good take. Yeah, it it's is. A, it's 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 a good take. It's an eye opening. Uh, I never thought of it. Eye opening take for sure. My other hot take. I'm telling you right now, the Indianapolis Colts will be favored. I know Kansas City how good they are. The Colts are going to be favored to go to the Super Bowl next year in AFC. They got the most cap room in the NFL. They got some studs on that offensive line. They got a couple key players on defense. And players, unlike Buffalo, and this is going to be a problem with the Bills. Yeah, you got a lot of cap room, but you know what? If you're a good free, especially on the offensive side of the ball, if you're a good lineman or you're a good, especially if you're a good wide receiver, you got a choice. Money's kind of equal. Motherfucker, who are you going to play with? You going to play with Andrew Luck or Josh Allen? Or even Sam Darnold, who's got a big, because the Jets got a shitload of money. Bottom line, the Bills are going to be the third choice for a lot of free agents out there when it comes to big bucks, if the Bills are willing to spend that. Yeah, I'm I'm worried about the same thing. At the point that gets made, though, um, you know, to to combat that a little bit, though, is that 
the opportunities uh, seem to be greater with the Bills. Like if you're a free agent, like that need is going to for a prove prove it contract. All right, not necessarily one that uh, is is the big money contract, uh, but rather you know you're on a prove it contract. Well, you know you. I don't want prove it players. You're right though, but I don't. I, I want uh, fucking guys who are going to come in here and be really good football players. I don't want to prove it guy. I want many guys who are going to come in and help. But you are right. Well, that might be what we what we end up with though. You know what I mean? You might have to go find. Here's here's a good example, all right? You might have to go find the Mika Hyde and Jordan Poyer of the wide receiver market, okay? I mean, they're out there, man. They're out there. And I'm confident that uh, that this team, you know, knows what stones to uncover to try to find them. And that started this past week with the kid from the CFL. So I, I'm not saying I know a damn thing. But um, if we're going to grab a guy from the CFL, I'm glad we grabbed the most dominant receiver in the CFL who's like a freak of nature, you know, in terms of his 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 size and speed and athleticism. So not only did we not do the puck drop this week, we didn't do our typical this week in 80s music segment. We'll do that next time. But I will give a shout out to our guy, at least my guy, who was number one on the charts exactly 30 years ago this week. The jam was. My prerogative, and of course, I'm talking about Bobby Brown. Got anyone you want to give a shout out to? Uh, definitely not uh, Bobby Brown. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that will do it for this episode. Big thanks again to Joe Yurden from The Athletic doing the show for a second time. Really like Joe. Good guy. Excellent reporter. He's doing great work at The Athletic. Gotta have my Sabres guys on whenever I get a chance. Unlike football, where I feel like there's a million different people I could talk to, there's only a handful of people that I really enjoy talking to when it comes to the Buffalo Sabres. Joe's definitely one of them, so appreciate you, Joe. Thanks as well to my guy, Tone Pucks. Pat with Pucks. Always like doing that when I get a chance. Never know what we're going to talk about. Always a good time. I enjoy that very much. Guys, if you haven't done so already, I'm going to ask you to go ahead, grab your iPhones, find that Apple podcast, that purple button, hit it with your thumb, click search, type in Analytics podcast, and hit the subscribe button. That's all I want you to do. And that's all you have to do, because once you do that, new episodes will automatically get sent directly to your phone. You don't have to download anything. All you got to do, you play them. You can keep them, play them, delete them afterwards if you want. That's cool. If you don't have an iPhone, you can also subscribe on Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PatMoranTweets. I'm constantly tweeting about this podcast, news, updates, polls, All kinds of shit, frankly. I never even know what the hell I'm going to be tweeting about. So follow me there. Have a nice, safe weekend. And I will talk to you guys again next Tuesday. I'll catch you on the flippity flip. Bye.